This episode is brought to you by Mountain Sea Media. I spend half my life near the Pacific Ocean and the other half in the mountains. These places are full of profound stories and experiences that guide my life even now as a media creator and beer professional. This is what gave birth to Mountain Sea Media, the stories that impact our lives and give meaning to our business. Stories share good experiences in the warmth of friends. They improve business by sharing these experiences and connecting deeply with our customers. If you'd like to connect better with your customers through copywriting and storytelling, contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com. It's your story. I'll help you tell it. Welcome to episode 46 of Good Beer Matters. A lot of people, their knee-jerk reaction when you say sales, they're like, ooh, yikes. The first thing I always tell people is stop talking and start listening. One of the, the biggest skills that you can have in sales is knowing your buyer. Storytelling in the beer industry is one of the funnest things ever. Sales and marketing may not be the first thing you think of when it comes to craft beer. The word sales may actually conjure negative emotions or experiences with pushy people. But sales are one of the many necessary logistics of getting beer from the brewery to the glass in your hand. In actuality, sales and waitstaff are a company's front line in creating good experiences for customers and creating better income. Like brewing, it takes training and practice to do well. Yet these positions are sometimes left to the most outgoing but undertrained people. This begs the question to all breweries, distributors, pubs, and more. What are you doing to help your sales staff do a better job? My next guest has spent years in sales and marketing and is now helping others do it better than the rest. My name is Jeremy. I'm a certified Cicerone, BJCP judge, IBD certified brewer, and a beer writer. I believe the art, the science, and the culture of beer has more of a profound effect on us than we realize. I believe there's a world of wisdom found in every glass, and I intend to get to the bottom of it. This is Good Beer Matters. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. I hope you enjoy episode 46 of Good Beer Matters with Julie Rhodes of Not Your Hobby Marketing. Introduce yourself real quick, and will you give us a background about your history in the beer industry? Sure, I would love to. So, uh, my name is Julie Rhodes. Uh, I currently reside in Broomfield, Colorado, which is um, right smack in between uh, Denver and Boulder, um, just to give you a general idea. Uh, I've been here for um, almost three years now, but I was born and raised in Texas. I've lived in other places besides that, but um, coming out of the Dallas area and I, uh, went to college in Austin. So that was fun as well. But, um, yeah, I was service industry, um, for a very long time. In fact, my, my first job, I couldn't even drive myself to work. I worked at a, <laughs> a restaurant, um, when I was 15 and my dad had to drive me there. Um, so I've got an extensive background in the service industry, whether it's, you know, waiting tables, bartending, uh, managing, and that's kind of how I got mixed up in the beer world. Um, I bartended and uh, managed various restaurants and uh, a lot of English pubs, a lot of bars, um, 
all through my college career. And a lot of those places were very beer centric. Um, and so I, I don't want to say I was forced into learning about beer, but I got exposed to it where I had not been exposed to it before. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, uh, I grew up in a household where beer was not something that we had in the house. Normally my parents didn't really talk about it. They liked it, but it wasn't a part of my everyday lifestyle growing up. So being around beer and seeing different brands and getting used to breweries and styles and learning the science behind it was fascinating to me. Um, at the same time, I was in business school uh, and I was getting a degree in marketing. Um, and by the time I got out of college and realized that I did not want a cubicle job, I didn't want a traditional you know, management job or anything like that. Um, I loved beer. I loved business. I wasn't sure what to do with that exactly. And it took me years to figure it out, but I eventually wound up in uh, brewery sales and, um, I had sort of an aha moment that said, you know, I love beer. I have all this knowledge. I love beer or I love business and I have all that knowledge as well. You know, how can I combine that basically and turn it into a career and get paid for it? Right. Like who, who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, um, I'm right there with you. I, yeah. So, uh, I sent out about a million resumes, um, straight to breweries because I found out what a brewery sales rep did exactly. And I thought that's what I want to do. Um, I did not have any, I guess you could say formal sales experience as far as like the corporate world goes, but I had real time sales experience, you know, dealing with customer service and being in the customer service industry. Um, and so I used that to my advantage and, I leveraged other bar and restaurant connections that I had in the industry as a selling point. Um, and I finally secured a brewery sales position with a import company out of California. And we were bringing in uh, German import beers um, from overseas. And I wound up being the Spotten and Franz Connor rep for Texas, which is pretty exciting. So that's kind of what launched, um, my entire beer career, and that was over 10 years ago, and uh, I've remained in supplier-side sales and management and marketing ever since then, and I haven't looked back, and I continue to do that today just on my own. And, and that's fantastic. And, you, of course, you and I shared, um, of course, you got started way earlier than I did, but uh, we have kind of like a similar background as far as going from uh, a lot of a lot of experience in the service industry, bartending, serving. Uh, and, and of course, then I got into, uh, uh, a little bit of a, well, a, a store selling, uh, beer and then got into distributor, then got into uh brewery. And now I'm working for a supplier and, um, and, and so it's kind of interesting. And, and I think you and I kind of shared this. It's really fascinating to have the opportunity like you and I have to look at all the different aspects of the business from being in it and, and learning what what each pain point is for each um, each tier of this whole cycle of getting beer from point from you know from the ingredients from the ground all the way to the consumer's hand. Yes, it's it's fascinating. In fact, um, I I joke around with my friends that I'm sort of a logistics nerd um, because I I really enjoy like uh, looking at what that process looks like. Um, and, you know, I'm also a sales nerd, so I, you know, I, I like taking a step back and looking at the big picture 
of sales and thinking of it as more as a connection process, um, you know, from supplier to the end customer. And, you know, taking that approach and thinking about it that way is just, I don't know, it's fascinating to me. I, I, I think that was the appeal of working in the service industry was, you know, getting to getting to know my customers and being able to say something like, well, what are your tastes? Like, what do you, you know, what do you enjoy? Can I match you up with something that maybe you haven't tried before and, and figuring out what's a good fit for them. And I think that starting to do that early on really kind of led to my success in my uh, sales career because it translated very well over into supplier side sales. Well, sure. and, and that's where I think when you and I first had the initial conversation, um, I think that's where you and I may have connected because um, it, we're going to talk about um, about sales for distributors, sales for uh, a brewery staff and how to do a better job. But we're also going to talk about uh, you know, people working in a bar or a brewery and, and who are waiting tables and stuff like that. And I think that's where um, I, this is why I really wanted to have you on the show is because you know we, we can... Yeah, restaurants uh, don't have a big budget for training. I mean, they're on thin margins to begin with, and so they just right. kind of have to, uh, in some respects. And I just spoke with a a uh, restaurant uh, owner uh, a few days ago about this, um, and it's just you know they can't afford to bring in the best people. They can't afford to train them to the best degree. Um, they just kind of have to do the best they can with what they've got. Um, and this is coming from the uh, restaurant owner side, but for any anyone who's a uh, server or bartender, um, you know anyone who's been around that for a while, you know the better job you do, the better tips you get, the better um, opportunities you get sure. uh, to go anywhere else. And this is really what we're talking about: is how do you do a better job? How do you go from becoming an order taker, no matter what part of the industry you're in? How do you go from becoming an order taker to a guide in the whole process? And that's really right. that's really what the 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 nail I want to hit on the head uh, with you today is is how to do a better job at this business and sales stuff. No matter if you're slinging plates or 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 dropping off pallets at a store, that, that that's really the heart of all this. Yeah, definitely. And I you know I encourage people to to think about it in that sense um, quite often because you know. Um, a lot of people, their knee-jerk reaction when you say sales, they're like, ooh, yikes. Like, no, that's, you know, ugh. Like, pushy, you know, salesy. Like, you think of, like, a used car salesman. There's there's a lot of negative connotation around that. Um, because people, and cause people either have had a bad experience or they've heard about bad experiences or they've watched movies like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross too many times, and, and there's just there's just that <laughs> shtick about yeah. about the uh, the the hunter mentality of a salesperson. But um, but they they do need to understand that there is also a farmer mentality of the um, of a salesperson, where it's like you know creating relationships and delivering equal goods and equal services for the benefit of all. I, I right right right. No, it's definitely. Um uh, it, it conjures up some really uh, not so positive emotions from people. <laughs> Usually, when you when you talk about sales, right off the bat, it's like always oh, be closing and boiler room and th- you know things like that. So it's um, 
I one of my favorite books, if you don't mind me plugging one of my favorite uh, sales it, books, is actually um, I, it's by uh, a guy named Daniel Pink. It's called To Sell is Human. Um, I, I love that book because it, I feel like it humanizes sales a, a little bit more. Um, it, it's just a way to think about sales is not so much like pushing something on somebody. Um, if you feel like you're pushing it, you're probably not making the right connection. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it, it shouldn't feel like a push. I, I really don't like the word pitch. I, I really hate the word, uh, the term sales pitch. Um, <laughs> I'm also a big baseball nerd. So, I, you know, when I think about pitching, it's like, yes, you know, you've got somebody who's specially trained and, um, they're doing the same thing over and over again and they have kind of a system and, um, but it, it does kind of mirror, uh, beer sales in a way because you, you do need some specialized training, right? But I don't like the idea of hurling something at somebody and hoping that it goes in the right place. Um, I, I like to do it more methodically, uh, and think about, you know, when people buy things, uh, they do it because they need something, right? Or they're trying to solve a problem. Um, they're trying to avoid something negative. They're trying to make their life better, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and everybody that sells something has something special that helps somebody either solve a problem or fulfill a need or enhance their life or make them feel like a part of a group, which is very relevant to the craft beer world. Um, and you're basically just facilitating that connection. Does that make sense? I know that's kind of up, you know, higher level, oh, uh, like no, 10,000 foot stuff, but <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm right there with you there. Uh, you know, I, I was always amazed, uh, you know, as, as a kid, you know, um, I started becoming aware of this, uh, of like my father, you know, was really good friends with his insurance agent, um, or he, uh, was, uh, really good friends, you know, we're like the families would get together on a Sunday for a lunch or dinner or something like that, where he would have this, uh, friendly connection with his insurance agent, his lawyer, his, this, his whatever, um, where you, you build this bond that continues over years and decades, um, but when we talk about you know the S word sales, uh, people think, oh god, here's you know here's here's it's people act as if you're going to try and reach into their body to rip money out of their soul, um, <laughs> and, yeah. and and there's just that knee jerk reaction when you know it really can be a hey I've got something that would be valuable for you to help you move along your goals your needs um, and not just the needs that you. You know, you run a business, not just the needs of making extra money, but the the needs you don't tell anyone about those those deep um, needs of fulfillment or taking care of a family or finding success or these these deep needs that are more emotionally based. You know, we can help you ad address those and move forward. Meanwhile, you're doing the same thing for me. So we can partner on this stuff and really move everything better for the uh, in a more collaborative and less competitive way. Right, right. It's, you know, if you, if you think about anything that, you know, um, that you need in your life, either, you know, and there's different levels of needs that you can get into. There's, you know, survival needs, like obviously food, water, you know, shelter, kind of your basic needs. And, you know, people buy things according to survival needs. Um, but then there's a higher level of that being, 
you know, like philosophical needs or, you know, social needs, um, psychological needs, like a, a feeling of belonging, um, you know, social acceptance, you know, the image that you portray to others, like your groups of friends, there's, there's multiple levels of it. And I think beer kind of falls into that category because it's not, you know, unless you're a monk and you're fasting for, you know, on, on like a doppel box for a week or so, but you you don't really need beer to survive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some people might do that, but you know, it is kind of a fringe benefit. It's, it's not um, needed for survival, but it's like an enhancement um, to your life. So, uh, you know, and there's, there's levels of that within the beer industry when you're in beer sales um, to think about how you're appealing uh, to your buyer's needs. And I encourage people to think about uh, beer sales in that way and view it as a connection between you have something that they need, um, they being your buyer at say a liquor store or, you know, a retail store or a bar or restaurant um, they need product to sell, right? And mm-hmm. and you have something for them. So when you can find something that's a good fit, you know, that appeals to them as a business owner, that helps them serve their purpose as a business owner, and that also appeals to their end customers so that they can find success in their business, that's not a bad thing. You know, it's not pushy. It's not sleazy. It's not... Um, you know, forced. So when you take a step back and start thinking about it in that sense, I think it really opens up doors um, to really have your product soar in the right places. And I've, I've, I found it interesting, too, and I totally agree with you. I always say that beer is one of those things that, that, that no one needs but everyone wants. And, and, and sure. it's because that beer <laughs> beer serves a need, and it's going to be a little bit different for everyone. And And in the times that I spent, uh, you know, working for a big distributor, trying to sell a just a X number of units to a very large uh, mega chain store, well, they're not really interested in the philosoph- philosophical advantages of my product over that. They they just need we need volume, we need it there for this particular weekend, and we're going to blow it out. That's that's one particular need, and then and then there's this uh, restaurant that is. You know, you know, they're just trying to cater to the Friday night crowd. They really don't care what they're pouring as long as it, as long as they go through uh, at least three to five kegs a week, they're happy. Okay, that's a different need. Um, and then if you get the restaurant where we're really trying to put something together that's really special, we're we're trying to uh, bring in this incredible wine list and pair it with these foods. But we appreciate beer is also wonderful, and we want really good beers to pair with this food to create these experiences. So people will come back again and again. It, it 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 really it's really important, I think, to understand that everyone has a different need or a different objective, and and it's your job and my job to figure out what that is and how we can best serve that. Right. Yes. No. For sure. And and I joke around with my husband about uh, sales being somewhat of a. Um, it's almost like you're a therapist. Like you're, you're trying to read somebody. Absolutely. Um, one of the, the biggest skills that you can have in sales is knowing your buyer. Um, and, and that rings true in business, you know, whether you're talking about sales or marketing or, um, you know, just business in general, knowing who you're speaking to, 
um, and what their particular situation is um, and what they're trying to accomplish in, in their lives. Um, because sales, you just have to keep remembering it's, it's not about you yourself. It's, it's not about um, talking about your product all day. Uh, it's about, you know, making relationships um, with the people that you are selling beer to and, and figuring it, figure out how it can enhance their particular situation. So like you said, it, you know, if it's a mom and pop liquor store, they probably have different needs than, you know, a big uh, beer and wine warehouse, you know, or, or say like a Costco, like a warehouse club or something um, versus, you know, a, a five-star high-end dining restaurant is going to have different needs than a college dive bar. Yeah, exactly. So, I, 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 yeah, I, I think you just really um, need to know exactly who you're speaking to and um, always be curious. I, I say that instead of, you know, ABC, like always be closing. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and yeah. we've kind of departed off the um, a list of questions I have for you, but I think this is really important. So let's, let's, let's just keep going with this for a sec. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, years, years, oh gosh, decades ago now, um, I worked for an outdoor gear shop and they actually invested in really good sales training. And, and one of the things I've always carried with me, and, and this really speaks to your point, Julie, about, um, you know, being able to read people. But, you know, if you go into a retail store and the and the employee walks up can i help you find anything you're not going to learn what your customers needs are if you work in a restaurant say hey can i get you guys something to drink you're not going to learn what your customers needs are um the the sales training that that we got is the very first thing out of your mouth should have nothing to do with a business transaction the very first Mm -hmm. thing should be something that uh, in, in some manner, shape or form helps you connect or learn, like you said, always be curious, helps you connect or learn with your customer and figure out where, where you need to take this. Um, and of course, dealing in an outdoor gear shop where people come in for climbing gear or whatever, you know, that was easy because it, that was just a, a, a shop for, uh, ups with toys. And so everyone was of like mind and, and body, but, um, but in a, a uh, restaurant or a uh, distributor or uh, anywhere, you know, h- how do we, how do we uh, connect with our potential customer right from the get go so we can learn what it is that they need? What do you do? Right. Um, well, for one thing, introduce yourself. <laughs> I, I also make uh, dating analogies to selling beer as well. So, um, you know, meeting a a buyer for the first time and asking them to buy something immediately or, or like you said, immediately ask them in a business transaction way right off the bat is, is kind of like asking someone to marry you when you've never met them before. It, it's very awkward Agreed. and um, it, it usually doesn't turn out too well. Right. So uh, you have to understand that, you know, sales is a relationship and some are short, uh, some are long-term. It depends on, you know, getting to know your buyer and what they actually need and what they feel comfortable with. But you're not going to get anywhere unless you introduce yourself first and kind of give a premise for what your intentions are. Um, I think that making expectations clear on, on both sides of a transaction are extremely important. 
So, you know, you hear people talk about uh, something called an elevator pitch. Um, I'm sure you're probably familiar with that. Oh, yeah. I don't Sure. Do I need to explain that? or? <laughs> uh, well, um, maybe just for the sake of people who are out there, I, I would imagine that we would, we would have all people of all uh, levels in their career. So by all means, let's, let's sure. talk about briefly what an elevator pitch is. Okay. So, so old school sales training, you, you would establish your elevator pitch, which is basically how you can introduce yourself and let somebody know what you do in less time than what it would take to ride an elevator, either up or down, say a handful of floors. So you're talking maybe, you know, like, I don't know, 20 to 40 seconds. Yeah. yeah, Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Very quickly, very quickly. So um, to bring it up to date, I always tell people, what would you say in a text message? Like without being rambling, you know, without, without being like that, you know, the text message that comes in in like six sections, right? Um, you you want to be straight to the point. Like, hi, my name is Julie. I'm your local such and such brewery sales rep. Um, I would love to speak to the buyer. Are they here today? You know, it's kind of, uh, I've stated my purpose. I've stated who I am. I, I'm being polite. Um, you're basically laying the groundwork for a relationship with that account. And that's one of the first things that I like to do. Um, I don't like to be aggressive on the first time I meet somebody unless they're very, very enthusiastic. Um, that does happen. You know, sometimes you get a very enthusiastic buyer that's ready to elevate your relationship status very quickly. And, um, and that's great. But, uh, recognizing something like that also comes with practice as well. Um, so you, you really have to um, make sure they know who you are, you know who they are, um, they know your purpose for being there, um, they understand why you're there, um, the benefits that you can provide, and how you can move the relationship forward. And I think one, one thing I'd, I'd love to add to that is, is uh uh, you know, this isn't something you just think of on the spot. This is something you kind of like plan ahead of time. You, you kind of have this in the back of your brain. But if you can word it in such a way that um, uh, that causes the listener to say, tell me more, then you have a good elevator pitch. Uh, and for example, the, the ones that I used kind of depending on the situation, I'll say, my name is Jeremy. I connect with people through beer or I tell stories through beer. Um, so it leaves, sure. so it leaves a little bit of like a, well, wait, what, what do you mean? Um, so that creates a conversation. I, I think that's always the advice that I've gotten on, on quick elevate elevator pitches is, um, you know, don't, don't take it off into a, the upper atmosphere of, of craziness, but, um, but try and word it in such a way where it facilitates a conversation and therefore a connection. Sure. Sure. Yeah, no, definitely. It's um, something, you know, some people refer to it as like a one-liner, um, you know, but it's, it's intriguing. It invites you to ask more and, and to get more involved with people. Um, you know, you and I met at the uh, Brewers Guild uh, trade show and um, on my banners, it basically says I teach people how to sell more beer and usually what winds up happening is people kind of look at me sideways and say, like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> but, um, but having that little nugget there, they're like, wait a second. 
you know, I do want to hear more about this, which which is fun because uh, you know me at this point. I, I love talking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, well, and I have to I, that that's what stopped me. I, I'm you know kind of cruising along, looking at all the different vendors, and you know some of them I, I know what you do. I I, I don't need to talk to you. I, I hate to sound like that, but I I don't need to talk to a. Uh, um, a brewing equipment supplier. That's not what I do. That's not what I'm looking for. I was just kind of looking at, and then I saw I teach people how to sell beer. I thought, what? So then, next thing you know, <laughs> we're on a podcast talking yeah. about all the stuff. So that that's that's the power yeah. of a good one-liner elevator pitch. Um, but you know, I'm going to use that to kind of steer us back to kind of where we're going because this is the perfect uh, uh, re-entry point um, on your on your website. I think it was on your blog, but you talk about how um, you know craft brewers are like innovators and creative people and and obviously entrepreneurs, um, but they're many many times they're not business people. What, what do you mean by that? Um, you know, usually. Um, uh, usually the case is, and I hate to throw stereotypes out there, but, um, the way that the beer industry has evolved is that a lot of the people that you speak with that are, uh, running operating breweries usually say, well, I have a home brewing background. It, it started as like a passion project, either, you know, with my neighbor in the garage, or I started home brewing in college and I found it fascinating. Um, but usually there's never a mention of, you know, way back in college, I dreamed of having a brewery business. <laughs> that's usually, that's usually not the case. Uh, most, most people that I, I speak with now, there are exceptions to the rule, but, um, most people have this very like romantic, uh, uh, like image of, uh, like a craft brewer you know, somebody that's innovative and creative and, um, you know, they have ideas for all these different ways to skew their beers and tweak recipes. And, you know, they're constantly thinking about trends and new ingredients and how can they provide, you know, new flavors to the public. And I think a lot of the times what gets lost is that people realize, um, yeah, that's great if you're a home brewer, and, you know, this is kind of a segue to the name of my company, but um, if you're a home brewer, you know, that's a hobby. You don't have to rely on sales or marketing or people actually purchasing your product. You just kind of cruise along and you make beer because you love it and you share it with friends and that's it. Um, when you file for a business license to run a brewery, it becomes a completely different situation. Um and I think most people that have a lot of passion for um, their creations and their recipes and what they do um, eventually realize, like, wait a second, I'm, I'm going to have to sell this to the public. Like, I'm going to have to talk to people about this. I'm going to have to make those business connections. And when they realize that, sometimes it's too late, sometimes it isn't. You know, I, I always tell people nowadays with technology, it's way easier to get a business education um, than it used to be. Um, and, and there's a science behind it. There's a science behind business. There's a science behind sales. There's a science behind marketing. It just takes a little bit of time and effort to get it figured out. And when you can balance out the two, you know, the creative and innovative side of your business um, with the actual numbers um, to where you're making revenue and you're staying in the black, it's, it's a beautiful thing. 
Well, and, and I think uh, what you just described, we could uh, we could inverse that and really come out with the, the same uh, net result. And I'm aware of people who got into the uh, beer business because it was smart business at the time and they just wanted to make a bunch of money, but they knew nothing about beer. And so they had to learn all that. Well, um, you know, you can find, you can get beer education, you can hire people, but, you know, they're kind of arriving to the same point and from coming from two different entry points. Um, but, but, sure, sure. but, but, you know, you can't be everything all the time. And so it, it really goes to show that, you know, so having, hiring someone like you to uh, learn the business side of things and learn the sales side of things when it's like, I've got the, uh, the back of the house and the brewery like dialed in, I make uh, amazing award-winning beer. Um, but I don't know how to talk to people. We, mm-hmm. we, we need help. You know, people, people in those sure. situations, or even the opposite of that, we need help. Um, so I'm glad there are people like you to bring that in, which, by the way, we kind of skipped over this. Um, I don't know how we did that, but um, uh, what is your business and what exactly, uh, what exactly do you do? We did. That should have been, so that been the first part. About this kind of stuff. <laughs> I, you know, I almost forgot that too because I do, I do love talking about this so much that sometimes I forget to even mention the name of my business, which is crazy. But um, so the name of my company is called Not Your Hobby Marketing Solutions. Um, where that comes from is that I say, you know, if you have customers, you have a business, not not a home brewing hobby. Um, that's where that stems from. Uh, my, my formal collegiate background is in marketing. Um, and when I first got started, I thought, God, I love marketing so much. Like I'm, I'm just going to go full steam ahead, um, with marketing. And then I, I, I tied sales and management into that as well, just because I have a pretty extensive background with both. Um, and it's sort of all encompassing, um, but yeah, I, my company, I, I started up last year when I left the corporate side of, you know, supplier, like sales management. Um, I had been sitting on the concept for my company for years. Um, I, it, unfortunately, it was a direct conflict of interest with me selling beer um, for, <laughs> for breweries. So um, I, it's, it's a little hard to... Uh, you know, do consulting for brewery clients when you're, when you're selling beer from a brewery yourself. So I had to kind of table my, my, uh, entrepreneurial dreams for a little bit until the timing was right. But, um, I mean, over my decade plus career in beer sales and management and marketing, I had friends that would reach out to me for advice. I, I mentored uh, a ton of brewery sales reps, um, I took the reins on distributor management. Um, I think the at one point I was selling beer in seven different states, and I was juggling about thirteen different distributors at the same time. Oh my goodness! Um, so that was a challenge. <laughs> and uh, the one thing that remained constant throughout my entire career was that I never got any training from anyone. I, I literally just had to like piecemeal it together. Um, there have been times in my career that I can think of right now where I made a total, uh, ass of myself. Hopefully I can say that on the podcast. I, I, uh, I, I made a complete fool of myself in like big time corporate, you know, like chain account meetings and working with national accounts or 
talking to big, you know, high profile buyers just because I didn't know any better, you know, just like rookie mistakes. And, um, but I learned something new every single day. And I found that in mentoring people in my field, I loved it so much. Um, I have a big spot in my heart for teaching. Um, and I loved being able to say like, yes, I can help you figure out this certain situation, or I can help you deal with a difficult buyer. I can help you overcome objections that you're seeing in the market because it's crowded. And again, it goes back to, you know, making connections and helping people with something they need. Um, I started noticing that growing breweries, you know, being like, whether you're like a nano brewery or just a taproom model all the way up to like medium sized production breweries, regional breweries, micro breweries, um, where you're not quite big enough to have say like an in-house trainer or a sales director or a marketing manager or, you know, whatever that might be. Um, if you're not a big production brewery, you probably don't have those resources at hand. And so I noticed that void in our industry and I've kind of made it my mission just to go out there and provide the business education resources that growing breweries need to compete in today's crowded market without having to, you know, take out a second mortgage on your brewery just to make it happen um, or hire a full-time sales manager or whatever the case might be. Um, Just basically help the people that are bootstrapping the most um, so that they can get the growth that they need to move into a place where they can have those resources. Man, we are kindred spirits, uh, except you have a lot more business and marketing background and and I have a podcast. So uh, maybe you need need to start a podcast. Um, uh, so I think that I, I'm trying to do effectively the same thing, but from a different route and just kind of share this knowledge that I can garner from uh, experts in the field like yourself uh, and share it with those people who who, who need it, but uh, either can't mm-hmm. or don't want to uh, pay to uh, bring in the big guns to say, okay, tell me what to do. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think this is really valuable because the beer is so amazing uh, for so many different reasons, and people have so many different needs for so many different reasons that that it it's it's good to get that information out there so that they can we, it, the the better we do, the better we are, and that's kind of what this is all about. Sure, sure, yeah, and I guess um, you know, in saying all this about my company, I should probably tell you actually how I do this because you you mentioned that. You know, your your method is a podcast, which is fantastic. Um, I have uh, another thing that I noticed about um, if anybody did get like sales training or, you know, like marketing training or something like that, it was actually coming from a place of like a very old school, like alcohol sales model. Um, usually the people that were teaching it were, were in like wine sales in like the 80s. And you wound up in some conference room in a hotel and the training would run you a ridiculous amount of money. So that was something else that I set out on kind of disrupting that side of the business because I don't feel like um, training should be reserved for the elite, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so I've tried to make it accessible to as many people as I can. Um, the first thing I wanted to do was take it online because 
beer folks are everywhere. You know, I'm only one person. I, I can only be in one place at one time. Um, so I knew that I wanted to create uh, digital courses um, so that there was like an online learning component for people. Um, so they can go to my website. They can look at my digital library of courses that I have that deal with different subjects, you know, in beer sales or beer marketing or sales management or distribution management and kind of pick and choose uh, what they need for their particular situation. Um, and for people that want a little bit more um, and they're willing to pay a little bit more for that, I offer uh, customized, um, I don't like to call it consulting. I, I like to call it coaching. Um, I, I feel like consulting always has this like weird uh, negative connotation that people think that they're doing something wrong. Mm. when somebody brings in a consultant. <laughs> so yeah. I, I like to refer to myself as a coach more than anything else. Like, hey, I have this experience. I have this knowledge. I want to share it with you. And I would love to mentor or coach you to a place, um, you or your team or, you know, your brewery staff, whoever, um, but customize it in a way that you're not paying for anything that you actually don't need. Um, I'm not a big fan of blanket program, um, you know, say you're doing really well in the on-premise uh, sector of the market, uh, we would focus on on-premise sales, you know, or, or improving your off-premise sales if that's a goal that you have. But I, I work with breweries one-on-one -on -one in that sense of saying, okay, let's, let's get our goals together, let's look at some needs that we have, and let's focus on, you know, um, fixing our weaknesses and amplifying our strengths. Perfect. Well, uh, so on that, I've got a little string of questions of like some, some, uh, for lack of better words, let's call them like little tips or some like little, um, some points of value that someone who's listening to this, who's got his or her first job working for a uh, brewery doing sales or whatever it may be. Um, uh, one thing I want to, so I'm going to start off with uh, uh, a little bit of a selfish question because I am a writer and a, and I call myself a storyteller. Um, what is the value of storytelling and having storytellers doing the marketing and the sales in this day and age? Oh, gosh. I love this question. I love that you said this. You know, I, I'm not going to lie, and I'm not uh, trying to butter you up with this, but I love writers. I love copywriting. I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I, storytelling in the beer industry is one of the funnest things ever. It is, um, it's actually an amazing sales technique that almost anybody can use. Um, if you want a deep dive into how that translates to sales, I highly encourage you to read, um, building a story brand by Donald Miller. Oh, I know them. They're, they're, fan they're phenomenal. <laughs> oh yeah. They're phenomenal. I, uh, I, I love, I love, love, love this selling technique. Um, it's, it's selling, it's selling by storytelling and, and it works in copywriting. It works in movies. It works in sales. It works in marketing. Um, you could pretty much apply this to, to anything. And it's that, um, there's always, there's like these essential components to a story, right? That makes it compelling. Um, and the human brain is actually wired for stories. So as far as appealing to, somebody's needs and wants and, and desires when you can do it in the framework of a, a basic storyline, 
um, you actually appeal to the human psyche, um, which influences your purchase behavior. So we just got real sciencey and nerdy for oh, a second. Uh, oh, oh and, I, and I love every minute of it. Um, it it's uh, I, I always told people that when when I'm trying to uh, uh, work with um, uh, clients or customers, I, I'm really trying to I, I'm trying to uh, approach it from I'm trying to reach them on a um, on a neurological level. I'm trying to figure out how we can sear That's these great. really good experiences into their into their their brain so you don't forget it kind of like a good flavor a good song it you know you hear two notes and you know exactly uh, which song it is um if if you approach it the right way and understand the process it, it can get really sciencey and geeky but it, it can be fairly simple but if you approach someone from a neurological standpoint from a nervous system standpoint and teach them to you know, if you say a restaurant if you teach them to um serve their customers from the same mindset and standpoint, then, then it, it, it can get really easy. Right, right. And, you know, it, it gets fairly conceptual. So I feel like the way that I explain this, I should almost put it in terms of like a buying situation for beer so that people kind of grasp it a, a little bit more. But um, in the case of uh, like Donald Miller's method, he basically says there's a framework of, you know, uh, your buyer is like the hero of the story. So there's always going to be a hero in a story. And what usually happens is that they realize that they have a problem that needs to be fixed, right? Or they have a need that needs to be filled. Um, and that at some point they need a guide, which in this, the, in this case, the, the salesperson, you know, the brewery representative would be the guide. And your job as the guide is to move them along basically their their buyer's journey, so to speak. Um, some people call it a sales pipeline or, you know, sales process. Um, or you, sometimes you'll hear it referred to as like their awareness stage. Um, you're basically providing value to them in some way that you're assisting them um, towards making a decision on whether or not to buy your beer, right? And the result of buying your beer is basically that it uh, serves a need for them, it solves a problem for them, or it helps them avoid something negative. So um, just to relate it to the, to the beer side, you know, um, just in terms of, okay, well, you know, if you're talking with the owner of a bar, and, you know, they realize that summertime is right around the corner, right? And they have a problem because they are going to need to fill their beer menu with beer selection that fits the summer season, right? You, you probably don't want to be serving barrel-aged stouts, you know, when it's 105 degrees outside. <laughs> Typically. Not a good idea, right? <laughs> so, um, so being able to recognize kind of that, you know, obscure uh, conceptual problem, it, it is a problem for them. They they are going to need products that fit the needs of their end customers during that time of the season. And if you have, say, a wheat beer or, you know, a Hefeweizen or like a Belgian-style wit, like something like that that really appeals to customers um, and it fits that buyer's needs, then you basically add value for them 
along their buyer's journey towards convincing them that your beer is the right fit for their beer menu and that you're helping them avoid basically, you know, no beer on their menu, which would be a problem for them because they run a restaurant or a bar and their sales are dependent on having products that appeal to their end customer. So... Does that, does that make sense? Oh, that, that clear? Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> hopefully and, it is. And, and, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I would even add a little twist to that same story, especially for those people who are uh, working as, as wait staff or bartenders um, or, or bar owners. Uh, you know, you, let's say you're trying to sell in a Belgian wit for the summertime, um, and they're thinking, a, a Belgian wit? What the heck is that? Uh, it's, it sounds kind of like when those those damn fan dangled fancy beers um but but if you <laughs> yeah. but if, if you give them you know and this is where my my thought process comes in if you give them information on what that beer is the ingredients go into it the flavor profiles the refreshing nature of that beer on a hot summer day that's like grown up Gatorade you know then then if they get excited about it, they bring it in, then they can share that information with their customers who are thinking the same thing well I don't want this fan dangled crazy euro beer but if they can share this knowledge and share this information and, and their customers think, wow, this is the greatest beer I've ever had, uh, given this you know, made-up scenario, then you're helping your customer become the hero. Therefore, you're the guide. You know, like Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi, it, this is, um, you're helping them, you know, at, you're helping them success, successfully meet many of their needs, not just financially, but, you know, the emotional need of like, hey, this really worked out and people are really enjoying this. Thanks to me. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's all about, you know, when you hear people, um, usually salespeople talk about and, and marketing folks as well, talking about adding value just because there's a lot of, you know, technology being the way that it is and social media and things like that. There's a lot of brand noise out there, right? So you're, you're constantly bombarded with messages. Well, which ones resonate, right? Which ones bring the most value to the table? And what I like to talk about with, with my clients in terms of like bringing value is that you're doing something that either educates that person or it entertains that person or it provides an experience. I always talk about the three E's with, with people. Um, because when you do something in those terms that has that kind of impact on the human brain, you become memorable, right? That's why tap rooms are seeing so much success right now, right? Because it's an experience. You're, you're basically imprinting a memorable experience on somebody's brain. A positive and memorable you, experience. Right, right. And, and that's, I tell people that's the key to brand awareness all the time because we really brand awareness is like recall, right? It's, it's like a practice in memorization because you want people to remember you in a certain way that spurs them to buy your beer or have one of your beers the next time they're at a restaurant or when they're in, you know, the store, you want them to be transported to that experience they had with your brand so that there's a repeat purchase. Yeah. And, so, and, hey, hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, and and you know, so you're you're laying down the knowledge. I'll I'll just like translate to people, you know, like me who are like, oh, that's kind of that's kind of a um, uh, little bit confusing to some extent. But you know, for me, uh, a good example for this, I always laugh because I. I've I've tasted so many different beers and gone through the styles multiple times, um, 
But to this day, you know, one of my favorite beers is and will always be Pacifico. Not because it is the greatest of all beers out there, but simply because I I attached that beer to a very positive experience that just will seared itself into my brain. You know, basically I had an incredible plate of nachos sitting at the beach with a Pacifico back in college uh, multiple times. Enough times where when I think about some of my happiest times, I always go back to Pacifico because of this thing. It wasn't because of the beer, but the beer was a part of this overall experience. And so therefore, Pacifico is one of my favorites. And if we can help people right. learn how to facilitate or learn, first of all, deconstruct what a positive experience is, because we've all had them. We've all had that one or one or handful of incredible nights that we will never forget. How do we deconstruct that and then put those pieces back together at will so that we can, if I'm running a restaurant, I can put that meal together and pair it with just the right things and create just the right environment. Um, and if someone walk in who's had a tough day, how can I, as a server, get them out of that mindset and be that table guide and deliver a good experience uh, or just help people celebrate, help people commiserate in just the right way where that becomes an experience that they will never forget. And meanwhile, this beer that was just a beer is now a part of that experience and will never be forgotten. Sure. No, that's the, that's the ultimate goal, really. I mean, and that is the ultimate level of, of experience and, and brand loyalty that is, um, that's kind of what you're chasing all the time in sales. Like that, that's what you want to provide for people is, is some kind of experience on that level that resonates with them years and years and years later. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a, I'm sure you have a super vivid memory of that plate of nachos and your Pacifico. Right. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's, it's, it's yeah, like, it was like, yeah. <laughs> it's a beer version of Disneyland. You know, it's like, you'll never forget the magic kingdom. Um, but you know, you'll, you'll never forget that one beer no matter, you know, what that is. Right, right. And I, you know, I speak with um, a lot of the breweries that I work with. I, I ask them to sort of think outside of the box on this about, you know, you probably know what you're selling physically, right? Like it's, it's a Pilsner and it has, you know, and it's 5.1 ABV and you use this kind of malt and you use the, this variety of hops and it was lagered for this amount of time and so on and so forth. But those are your features, right? Exactly. Those are your attributes. It's like listing off the features of a car, right? But what, what benefit does that really provide to a customer, right? Like that's like, you're just sort of listing off like a laundry list of, of things to educated beer consumers that might actually hold a lot of weight. Right. But that doesn't always resonate with everybody. So you have to kind of train your brain to learn to sell your benefits instead of just your features. So, um, and it can be physical benefits. It can be emotional benefits, you know, um, for me, I, you know, I sold, uh, this is an easy example for me because I sold German beers for so long, but like for me selling like a Hefeweizen into an account was so easy um, just in the way that I could describe it because I've been to Germany. I drank a Hefeweizen in the sunshine on the patio of a mm. beer garden, you know, eating vice versa and, and yeasty rolls and, you know, being serenaded by like 
a, you know, the accordion guy in the corner, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's oh, like, a, yeah. like a full spectrum experience and it makes sales that much easier, honestly, when you can connect it to something like that and connect it for somebody else. Um, in speaking with like a buyer or an end consumer, if you're able to pull that out of them, and again, this is that always be curious thing. If you can pull that out of them, what kind of connections do they have that resonate with them? What are their preferences? What, what like brings them joy? What, what brings them enjoyment? Like it, and then you can really start connecting them with the right product at the right time. Um, and I think about it in terms of when I was bartending, I was, I'm just, I'm going to toot my own horn here for a second. I was really great at bartending. I was an excellent bartender because I knew the right questions to ask. Right. Um, what do you and, feel comfortable and, with? And, Are you? And notice you just said, because I, not because you made the best drinks or you served the best beer, you said, because you knew what questions to ask. Right. Right. And if you can make yourself not the hero anymore, that's the key to success, like across the board for everything. Because when you think about it outside of the terms of like, what do I like? What do I want to drink? What am I trying to push on you? And think about it in terms of, you know, what are this person's preferences? What are their flavor profiles that they enjoy? What's going to give them the most positive experience that they could possibly have. Um, you know, and when you're able to gather those data points and process them and have the product knowledge that you need to do that, and then you can match them up with the right product, it's amazing. So let's let's flip this conversation on its head real quick then. Uh, uh, so we're talking about things that, you know, are the end goal Uh, You know, if I work at a hardware store, I'm not selling nails and hammers. I'm selling an opportunity to put a family portrait on their home. Um, Yeah. You know, you kind of think in that in that mentality. But in the flip side of that, what are the things that people in beer sales at whatever level uh, in a restaurant or distributor or brewery? What is it that they do to screw things up royally? (laughs) Um, First of all, I the first thing I always tell people is stop talking and start listening. (laughs) Just stop talking. Stop. Just, just, if you do anything, just, you know, ask questions. Um, most people will not get mad at you for asking a lot of quote unquote dumb questions. Um, and the more questions that you can ask, it's the more data that you're going to gather about that establishment, that business, that buyer, their end customers, you know. um, So, yeah, stop talking so much. (laughs) Start listening. This is actually, you know, and I think this is high on my list because I'm from the South. I'm I'm long-winded. I love to talk. I I could talk to people all day about beer. Um, I had to put myself in check a lot when I was out there selling beer because it's not about me. It's about them. So... Yeah, use the time that you have uh, with your account to ask a lot of questions and make it clear that you're invested in a relationship. I I think that's a really good point. I'm also long-winded. My wife tells me all the time. Um, but but it's it's usually those people who are good talkers are the ones that are hired for sales positions when it really needs to be I, good yeah. listeners. <laughs> 
think so. You know, there's a joke that sales is not really for um, introverts, but I don't necessarily think that that's uh, necessarily true. I, I have a lot of introvert friends. Um, it doesn't mean that you're like shy or that you don't like talking. It's just that you save your um, best self for somebody that you have a relationship with. And that's actually very valuable in sales. I, so, I think I fit in that category, uh, to be honest. I, I, I can turn it on <laughs> and I can and I can um, talk to people, but the idea of walking into a crowded room and thinking I have to go work the room is just, oh God, I don't want to do that. I'd rather go <laughs> I'd rather go back to my room and, and, and just kind of be quiet and but I, I yeah, think there's a lot of people yeah. that feel that way who, who need to know that no, you can be a very good salesperson if you can connect with people one on one and ask questions and listen. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And and there's different, um, I like to teach different selling techniques to people so that they can find, um, again, what works for them, which sounds, you know, that sounds like a, one of those optical illusions where it's like a mirror in a mirror in a mirror, but I'm actually selling selling techniques um, to my, you know, brewery partners <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I, I want uh, their sales rep or their sales team or the sales manager to really connect with a way that they feel comfortable um, selling their products um, because you're going to be able to, as a buyer and as a consumer, you can tell when somebody's uncomfortable um, with what they're doing. There's there's a certain level of uh, inauthenticity um, that comes across when you're not totally invested in it. And, you know, it's that old cliche thing about sales, that no like, and trust factor. Mm-hmm. Um, you really have to be comfortable in what you're doing and what you're talking about to establish, you know, that the other person, you know, that you come across as likable, that you come across as authentic so that they um, trust you and that they get to know you. They, they get to see an authentic side of you. So that, that definitely rings true. I, I totally agree with that. Um, uh, we are getting really close on time. I, I know we, there's a lot more we could talk about, and we could probably go for quite a while. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to respect your time, and, and maybe we should uh, head toward the uh, outro question series. Sure. Um, uh, so to kick things off, and, and we'll, we'll give you a chance in the end to add anything else. There's, there, oh God, there's so much we could talk about. Um, uh, but but if, if I could wave my magic mash paddle and uh, turn you into a queen of the beer world for a day, what would you change? Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's a weighted question. Um, what would I change? Uh, the biggest thing that I would change is that you need to talk to people about your beer, bottom line, whether that's through sales tactics, marketing techniques, any of that. Um, just an awareness of the fact that you can balance the creative side with the business side and it doesn't have to feel weird or that you're like selling out, you know, which I, I hate that term. I would change people's perspective to embrace the business side as a connection tool and not so much a profit tool. I, I like that. It kind of goes with the collaborate, not uh, compete type of idea. 
sure. Yeah. Definitely. I, I love that. Um, and then, uh, and of course, you know, you may have been prepared for this one, but if you had the opportunity to choose your very last beer and your very last meal before you depart the earth, what would they be? Oh, my. Okay. I actually, you know, I got caught up talking about business so much, I sort of forgot this question would be there. My very last beer and the very last meal? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I would have to say a Leafman's Gudenbahn Ooh. would probably be my very last beer. I, I'm a sucker for like a Flanders, uh, like an Oud Brune or like a Flanders style like red. <laughs> um, I, I know that's kind of out there, but I, I have a soft spot for, for those beers quite a bit. So, uh, and that goes back to my experience with that. I have a very pleasant experience in my beer career with Leafman's Gudenbahn. And I would probably pair that up with a roasted chicken that I had at Munich Oktoberfest and an aged Irish cheddar of some sort. Ooh, yeah. It, it, my last meal, last beer is based upon my, well, I basically kind of said what my uh, last meal and beer would be earlier in this podcast, but um, it's not because it's the fanciest or the best. It's just because that takes me back to a place, and oh man, it was good. So I, I yeah, hey, yeah, this is exactly. your last day. You can <laughs> you can eat and drink whatever you want. That was perfect. <laughs> there would probably be dessert as well. I have a pretty big sweet tooth, so there there would probably be a pretty decadent chocolate cake involved in all of that. <laughs> nice. So yeah. Nice. <laughs> So you're going to have a feast on your last day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go out big. That's nice. say, and it's going to be like a 750 of Gutenbahn. It's not going to be like the short bottle. <laughs> Excellent. Let's draw this out. That's perfect. Um, and so one, one question I'm going to start asking people, like you mentioned uh, earlier before we started on this, that you've listened to this podcast a bit. Um, which episode resonated with you the most and why? Um. I think the episode with um, Ken from Sierra Nevada. Mm, oh, yeah. Um, I have a immense amount of respect for him and the way that that business started, um, the way that they run the business today. Uh, I like the mission of the brewery. And again, this goes back to that experience level. I, I have some of the most wonderfully pleasant memories of experiences with Sierra Nevada beers, whether that be like the original pale ale, Bigfoot, uh, celebration, you know, just, it like runs the gamut, honestly. Um, so I had a lot of connection with that episode. Um, and yes, I learned some new things, but I, I think it goes back to just my personal experience because I have a soft spot in my heart for that brewery. So, no, that's yeah. great. Yeah, he, uh, he was someone I had on my dream list, and I and then I ran into him at a. Oh, I can see why. Well, re, 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 <laughs> yeah. you know, I just ran into him, and he he comes like walking like right by me, and and next thing you know, my hand's sticking out to shake his. And uh, and the words just came out. Would you be on my podcast? And he said, "Sure." <laughs> I think, are you kidding me? He that's said, "Yes." That's amazing. <laughs> oh, 
amazing. Yeah, I, yeah. So I, it kind of gave me a little confidence. I got a few other uh, uh, beer celebrities I need to tackle and and get them on the microphone. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, so, Julie, with all of your experiences that you described thus far, uh, why does good beer matter? Oh, you know, um, good beer matters because I think it's an enhancement on anybody's life in general. Um, I used to have this saying when I was bartending and when I, I said it all throughout my beer sales career was that, um, there's no one on this planet that dislikes beer. They just haven't found the right one for them. You know, I, 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 uh, I truly believe that beer is something that appeals to the human uh, psyche and the brain and, and physically. Um, I, I just feel like it appeals to the masses in general. And for those people out there that are disbelievers <laughs> that say like, oh, I'm not a beer person. I don't really like beer. I'm like, there are so many options now. There's literally a beer for everybody. And I would challenge you to explore that and explore the different flavors and the profiles and the, the brewing methods and, you know, even variants of beer. I, I have no problem with variants of beer, you know, um, whatever it might be and find the one that works the best for you and enjoy it because life is too short not to. So that's why good beer matters, at least to me. (laughs) Oh, to me too. Thank you for that. Um, So if anyone's listening to this, who uh, wants to get better at sales or who wants to hire you to train their staff, how do they uh, connect with you? And I, and I know your website has oh, some information okay. on there too. So I mean, give us all the info that uh, anyone would need. Yeah, yeah. They um, always a hundred percent. They there's like a million ways to contact me on my website. Um, the web address is www.notyourhobbymarketing.com. Um, spelled like it sounds, pretty much. <laughs> um, you can send me a message straight to the website. My phone number is on there. You can give me a shout anytime. Um, you can also email me, uh, Julie, J-U-L-I-E, at notyourhobbymarketing.com. Um, I'm a one-woman show down here, so there's no, you know, like chat bots or any, you know, <laughs> craziness going on. So no Everything trees. comes directly to me. Yeah, yeah. It's not a machine down here. So, um, to talk and to the sales department, press number on, two. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm pretty much the sales and marketing department. So if those are options on my on my phone line, you'll basically come back to me at every turn. Um, social media is a wonderful place to connect with me. Um, I encourage people to, you know, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, again, it's um, at not your hobby marketing. You can just put that in the search bar and be able to find me. You can direct message me. Um, I'm very active on social media. Um, I give away a lot of educational content on social media, like sales tips, marketing tips, guides, resources, all that good stuff. So feel free to jump on there, take advantage. Um, I, I do have a blog and an email uh, community that I send stuff out to people, yeah, probably like once a week, just different 
articles of interest like distribution management or sales tactics or marketing methods, things like that. So I would love it if you join me and uh, feel free to contact me anytime. Well, and this, I think this would be a good question to answer too, is uh, who, who can benefit from this information that you're offering either for free or, or to, or to uh, purchase essentially? Who is your customer? Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> my, you know, um, the people that I mainly work with the most are, are usually small to medium size um, breweries, craft breweries um, in the U.S. I, I do work with a couple of people in Canada as well. Um, but people that are kind of, I don't want to say stuck in the middle, but that's sort of where you're at. Like you, you've grown your brand, you're doing fairly well, but you know, maybe the sales got kind of flat or they're declining a little bit because, you know, it's getting crowded out there. Um, And you want to know, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a plateau or say you just hired like a sales rep, your first sales rep, you're, you know, a lot of the cases it's, you know, like a delivery guy that's doing sales part-time or a taproom employee that's also doing your social media marketing. Um, I say stuck in the middle because it's, you know, a lot of people have that situation where you have uh, employees that are wearing many hats, um, brewery staff that don't have a business background that want to learn how to sell beer, learn how to market their beer better, uh, if you just signed on with a distributor or you have distributor partners that you're not 100% sure how to navigate that relationship, um, I also specialize in distributor management. Um, I work with sales managers so that they can, you know, guide their team to success and they can learn how to be a coach instead of just a manager. Um, so any of those folks, I, I would encourage you to reach out to me. I'd be happy to work with you. And um we'll get you to a point where we can find out what best meets your needs, whether that's a digital course or a coaching program or, you know, like a half day consult, whatever it might be. Great. Uh, So any last words of wisdom before we uh, finish this off? Oh gosh, (laughs) I wish, I wish I could go out with a bigger impact. Um, I'll probably think of something later, you know, after we get off the phone, but um, I want people to remember that business is not a four letter word. Um, when it comes to the brewing industry, um, don't be afraid of it. Don't think that it takes anything away from your authenticity as a creative and an innovator. And think about it this way. The more beer that you sell, the more of your vision you share with the world. So think about it that way. I don't know, Julie, that's a pretty big bang. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show. We'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. The definition of sales is the mutual exchange of goods or services for something of equal value. If done well, sales can become a collaboration that benefits both parties in profound ways. I truly hope this episode helps you evaluate your practices and helps you develop better professional relationships. This episode finishes off season two. I'd love to hear about your favorite episodes and what stories or experiences you'd like to hear about when Good Beer Matters returns. Good Beer Matters is a show about great beer, great friends, and the experiences we create together. But it's also about better appreciation of the beer you enjoy. I believe better education leads to better enjoyment. So if you're a beer and food professional or even a beer enthusiast, 
then please subscribe to Good Beer Matters and visit me at goodbeermatters.net. After that, grab a beer, hang out with friends, and let the world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.